Throughout the 20th century, science fiction writers and TV producers and filmmakers have created visions of the future, and some of their predictions have been surprisingly accurate. And now we're starting to discover and invent things that were first imagined 50, even 100 years ago. One of the most persistent science fiction concepts is the idea of other worlds, or extrasolar planets. And to date, we've discovered almost 3,000 of them. Extrasolar planets, or exoplanets, are any planets that orbit other stars, just like we orbit the sun. And this is one of the ways that we use to detect them. This is called the transit method. Now, if a star has a planet, we might just see the planet pass in front of the star. It transits it. Now, these stars are really far away, and our telescopes aren't quite powerful enough to be able to see a circular disk of a star with a circular planet passing in front of it. But what we can do is measure the brightness of the star and observe it varying as the planet passes in front of it. So when the planet moves in front of the star, it blocks some of the light coming from the star to the Earth, and the brightness of the star appears to go down. And when the planet passes out the other side of the star, the apparent brightness of the star will go back up to the base level. And this produces a characteristic bucket-shaped light curve, which we call a transit light curve. And there's a telescope sitting in space called Kepler, which stares at one part of the sky continuously. And in that part of the sky, it's watching over 150,000 stars all at once. And it's looking for these characteristic dips, which indicate the presence of a planet. And each time it finds one of these transits, it flags that star as being a potential planet host. It's a planet candidate. And with Kepler, we've found these nearly 3,000 exoplanet candidates. One of the most remarkable discoveries of Kepler is that a lot of these planets sit in multiple planet systems, just like our own solar system. This is an animation showing all of the multiple planet systems discovered by Kepler as of February 2012. So each one of these is a bird's eye view of an alternate solar system. And the orbit of the Earth is about this size on this figure. And the size of the Earth is about the size of the smallest planets that you can make out on here. So we're very good at finding exoplanets. We found lots of them. But we're not just interested in finding as many as we can. We're also interested in finding planets that are capable of holding life on their surface, habitable planets. So for a, for a planet to be habitable, we think it needs to fulfill some criteria. And those criteria are that it be small and rocky so that it's got a surface for life to develop on, and that it have water, liquid water, on its surface. For a planet to have water on its surface, it has to sit at a certain distance away from the star in the so-called habitable zone. So this is, the habitable zone is an area around the star in which a planet can sit, and it'll be exactly the right temperature for liquid water to survive on its surface. If it's too close to the star, the planet will be too hot, and the water will boil away. And if it's too far from the star, the planet will be too cold, and the water will freeze. The Earth sits in the habitable zone of the Sun, and Venus sits on the inner edge, and Mars sits near the outer edge. So, Kepler 
has found these two planets, Kepler-62e and 62f, and these are two of the best candidates at the moment for habitable exoplanets. They're both small, therefore probably rocky, and they both sit in the habitable zone of their star. Their star is a little bit smaller than our sun, so its habitable zone is slightly further in, which means that these, these planets take a little bit less than a year to go around their star once. Um, so, we've detected rocky planets in the habitable zone of a star. What we'd really like to do next is to detect water on those planets. And we do that by looking for water vapour in their atmospheres. So, this represents an Earth-like planet. It's got a rocky core and a transparent atmosphere. So, as it transits its star, some of the light coming from the star will travel straight to Earth. Some of it will be blocked by the rocky core of the planet, and some of it will pass through the atmosphere of the planet before it reaches us on Earth. So this is a planet with lots of water vapour in its atmosphere. It's transparent. We can see through it. This is a planet It's a little bit like Venus, which has an opaque atmosphere, and no, none of the light coming through this star will pass through the atmosphere to our eyes, at least in optical wavelengths. Okay, so we see in optical light, but stars emit radiation at all wavelengths, from X-rays, ultraviolet rays, all the way down to infrared microwaves, radiation, um, radio waves. Um, so, different molecules absorb light at different wavelengths. And to demonstrate that, I need a volunteer. Anyone willing to volunteer? Anyone? <laughs> okay, thank you. What's your name? Okay, this is an infrared camera. It, uh, all, all stars emit infrared heat, infrared light, and we feel it as heat. Um, so if you point the camera at the star, the lamp, you'll see that it glows orange, that's because it's warm. Okay, now, if I take my Earth-like planet, and I pass it in front of the star. We can't see through it with our eyes, but we can, um, sorry, we can see through the atmosphere with our eyes, but we can't see through the atmosphere in infrared. So the infrared photons coming from this lamp are blocked by the atmosphere of this planet. Now if I take my Venus-like planet, you can't see through the atmosphere with your eyes, so you can't see through it in optical light, but in infrared light, you can see through it. So this material is transparent to infrared. So I can hold up the two and you can see the difference. Now this is because different materials absorb light of different wavelengths. So this clear plastic material is representing water vapour here um, and it has different light properties to this different type of plastic which has different molecules within it. Okay, thank you Holly. And if you just stand there for a sec and I point the camera at you. Incidentally, most glasses are opaque to infrared light. So I can see that when I point my camera at Holly, even though she's wearing see-through glasses, she looks like she's wearing sunglasses on the screen. Okay, thanks very much, Holly. Unfortunately, these planets are too small and too far away for us to be able to detect water vapor in their atmospheres. So we're still a few years away from finding water in the atmosphere of a rocky, habitable zone planet. But 
Science fiction has been proven correct many times before, and I believe that there's alien life somewhere out there in the galaxy, and one day, I think our chances of finding it are reasonable. So before I end, I'd just quickly like to highlight some of the key discoveries in the field of extrasolar planets. And to do that, I'm going to compare some of the more exciting and exotic ones with science fiction worlds. And here's a little warning, it gets geeky from here on in. So Tatooine is the birthplace of Luke Skywalker of Star Wars. And it's famously been compared to Kepler-16b, which was the first extrasolar planet discovered to have two suns. It orbits two stars. This is Waterworld, which needs no explanation. And the closest planet we've found to Waterworld is GJ-1214b, which is a planet for which we have detected water vapour in the atmosphere. And some people think that it's a giant planet covered by a liquid water ocean. Gallifrey is the homeworld of Doctor Who, obviously. And I've chosen Kepler-47b to represent Gallifrey because, as you can see in the photo, Gallifrey has two stars and there's another planet in the system there as well. And that's the same story with Kepler-47b. It's the first exoplanet system, multiple planet system, to be found around two stars. Vulcan, the homeworld of Spock from Star Trek. I've chosen Gliese 163c because it's a hot planet close into its star, just like Vulcan. Krypton is the homeworld of Superman. And in the comics, Krypton implodes on itself, producing lots of kryptonite. So I couldn't find a planet made of kryptonite, but I could find a planet made of diamond. This is 55 Cancri E, which is made mostly of carbon. And we think that the pressure in the centre of the planet is high enough to produce diamond. Now, we're moving into the realm of the future. This is Pandora, which is the planet of Avatar. And it's actually not an exoplanet, it's an exomoon. So it's a moon that orbits a big gas giant planet, a bit like Jupiter. And that planet, in turn, orbits a star. We haven't found any exomoons yet, but we think that there are lots out there because we see them in our own solar system. And it's just a matter of time before we find one. And finally, who knows what we'll find in the future? Perhaps even a floating turtle in space with four elephants on its back. I'm hopeful. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>